0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the FO News Show. My name is Cale Clinton. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jackson Roberts. Jackson, happy holidays. Back from a little Christmas week hiatus. But we always know the NFL takes no days off
1: when it comes to news. It certainly does not appreciate everyone Being patient for me during my hiatus as I traveled across the country to get home for my holiday celebration. And as it turns out, I got home at the right time because every story I've looked at over the past week that has anything to do with airplanes should basically come with a skull and crossbones next to it. So I'm happy to be in a secure location today delivering you NFL news instead of trying to travel. Hope you weren't flying Southwest, buddy. Oof, no sir. Let's get
0: right into it. Jackson, (laughs) you know what needs a sculling crossbones next to it? The one entry in the Denver Broncos timeline chronology that says Nathaniel Hackett, head coach 2022 to 2022. Nathaniel Hackett fired as the Denver Broncos head coach after. An absolute trouncing, a pummeling by the four win Los Angeles Rams, hanging a 50 burger on that so called vaunted Broncos defense. Jackson, Nathaniel Hackett goes down four and 11, one of five coaches to be less than a one and done in the last few decades. Less than a one and done is a first year head coach fired before the end of their season. I mean, talk about an absolute letdown
1: of a season, of a team, all the above. A letdown, a punching bag, a constant meme. It is what it is at this point. Uh, I don't know if you can survive uh, Peyton Manning and Shannon Sharp making fun of you in your first game of the season coupled with Patrick Starr making fun of you in your last game of the season and everybody in between making fun of you in weeks 12 to 15. It was pretty disastrous. You have to call us a spade a spade at this point. Uh, It's the point's been made. You fire Nathaniel Hackett because you can't fire Russell Wilson. Uh, Another fun note about this is Jerry Roseburg takes over as the interim head coach. Think back to about week four or five, and this is the coach that Nathaniel Hackett himself hired to help him out with situational clock management. Uh, And another fun thing about this is GM George Payton is not getting fired, as far as we know, but whoever the new head coach is will report directly to owner-slash-CEO Greg Penner. uh, Two chains of command, never a recipe for success.
0: Yeah, the... (laughs) Uh, Our own Mike Tanier phrased it well on Twitter. Coach reporting to GM reporting to owner is the ideal chain of command. GM reporting to coach reporting to owner can only really be pulled off by the Bill Belichick's, Andy Reid's, and Sean Payton's of the world. The truly bona fide head coaches who know their salt. Coach reporting to owner, GM reporting to owner, that's not a coaching structure, in Tenere's words. That's a soap opera. Now, Jackson, how much of this team, of this underperformance, because mind you, Broncos were a long-shot Super Bowl favorite. They were expected to compete in a vaunted AFC West that saw pretty much every team reload and retool and kind of arm up for a crazy year. Definitely didn't work out that way. But how much of this falls on Hackett's shoulders and how much of this can kind of be written off to either Russ or, you know, extenuating circumstances like injury? Because there's a lot of blame to go around on this Broncos team.
1: Yeah, I think you can take that last part out pretty immediately. It's not like the Broncos haven't had injuries, but look around the league. I mean, the Eagles are the best team in the league. They've been rife with injuries for a lot of the season, and we're going to get back into them toward the back half of our show. Uh, Every team deals with it. It just is what it is. The Broncos have not had any major contributors miss significant amounts of time. The defense, obviously, has taken steps back in the latter half of the season, mostly, I think, just because of fatigue of having to trot back out there after punts and interceptions over and over and over again. Uh, I think the issue with the russ Nathaniel hackett thing is how do you separate one from the other when there have been games this season where both of them just completely, uh, I mean, poop their pants is, is, a, is a phrase I would use to describe it. There was the Raiders game where towards the end of the game, Hackett calls a boneheaded timeout to save the Raiders some time, but then Russ also throws a ball out of bounds On third and 10, when he needed to stay in bounds and work the clock. Like it's it's been a thing all year. How do you know which of these two guys to blame when they've both been an enormous part of the problem? So as we said, the financial commitment is to Russ. Russ on film still does some things that, you know, are bona fide, good NFL quarterback traits. And whoever comes in needs to figure out how to maximize them and and stop it with all the other nonsense because this is the lowest scoring offense in the league. And that ain't going to fly in 2023.
0: Jackson, as, as your good friend, I will let, I will not let you fall for the couple good moments of Russell Wilson tape because I think it was around week four or week five, where I posted a story uh, saying that all the Broncos needed was a little patience. Uh, and look where that got that. uh Broncos also make two more head coach firings or not head coach firings, but coaching firings, special teams coordinator, Dwayne Stooks and OL coach,
1: Butch Barry. Also. Both of which make sense by the way, because the Broncos are dead last in offensive TVOA and 30th in special teams. So not that Nathaniel Hackett wasn't bad, but. Bad O line, bad special teams, also contributing to the massive failures of the twenty twenty two Broncos. Yeah, nothing,
0: nothing outside of the defense was really going their way
1: this season. And, and I, I, I can't remember. Maybe you can. Point. Maybe you can help me out with the defensive coordinator's name. It's escaping me at the moment. But he turned down the interim coaching tag to focus on the defense, and it was like, hmm, wonder why maybe because one of these units is not like the others, and I don't want to be responsible for the other two.
0: Yeah, Ehiro Evero is the Broncos defensive coordinator who was the first option to take over as interim, but wanted to separate himself (laughs) from the offense as much as possible because he is likely getting head coach interviews come this offseason. Let's (sighs) lead. Let's leave off on Denver because we could probably go on for a full hour breaking
1: down the woes of the Denver Broncos 2020. And and the beefs on the sideline. I just wanted to throw that in there before you move on.
0: Yes, yes. The the multiple shouting matches that broke out. Uh, Another reason why Hackett was probably not the best head coach because he (laughs) didn't really have any sort of command over his players. Uh, and kind of lost the locker room at some point. But let's move on. Let's speak positively, Jackson. J.J. Watt announced his retirement at the end of the season via Twitter. Happened to be his newborn's first football game. And Watt chose that time to simultaneously announce that this would be his last home game pretty much insinuating or announcing that this will be his final NFL season. Jackson, this was a career kind of marred by injury up and down years following 2016, including this year. He's only played more than eight games three times. But man, those first four five years in the league might be some of the best stretch
1: of peak play in NFL history. Yeah. And I'm sure JJ Watt would love to have the longevity and it is unfortunate how many injuries he's been through, not just because it, you know, limited his football career in some respects, but also, you know, for life and the guy had atrial fibrillation in October to essentially shock his heart back into rhythm. So just hope that, In his post football life, he's not, uh, you know, dealing with too many after effects of his football career because we know lots of players do. But on the subject of his football career, the the dominant stretch he had is hard to to wax poetic about without just continuing to spiral into crazy stats and crazy anecdotes. I mean, the guy was um, he was revolutionary. He was he was a defensive end who could just strike fear into the hearts of any quarterback in the league. Uh, he could play tight end. He was one of the great mic'd up players of the 2010s. Some of those mic'd ups were uh, appointment viewing, uh, one after a Saints game and particular sticks in my head where he's just taunting the offensive line. He's like, you know you cannot block me. You will double me. I still will not be blocked. Uh, and then he's going to celebrate after the sacks. He's going to catch a touchdown in that game too. Um, a couple stats for you. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Only two other players in NFL history have done that. Uh, Two guys, maybe you've heard of them, Lawrence Taylor and Aaron Donald. Not bad company. Uh, He was a starter on the 2010s Hall of Fame All-Decade team. He's a five-time first-team All-Pro. He is the 2017 Walter Payton Man of the Year and maybe the craziest sad of (laughs) all. In 2014, J.J. Watt finished second in the MVP voting, Kale. How many defensive players in your lifetime can you remember that have finished second in MVP voting? And that's partially because he was a weapon on offense too that year. He was special. It's not just that he finished second
0: in MVP voting, which is ludicrous. Since 2000, there have only been three players to receive votes for MVP. And that's Brian Erlacher in two thousand one, Ray Lewis in two thousand three, and uh, James Harrison in two thousand eight were the top were the last three. And not only that, those were like single digit vote getters. Those were you know three votes for Harrison, uh, two votes for Ray Lewis. You know this is handful. JJ Watt got 23% of the vote behind Aaron Rodgers. Like, that is dominant. Also, just on top of that, like we talk like you, like you just said, three time uh three time depoy, uh like historic incredible run. In that stretch, he finished first, second, and third all time for most tackles for loss. I don't know how long the stat has been kept. But that's according to Stathead off PFR. He averaged 47 and a half quarterback hits this season, broke 50 twice. That's a crazy number. Craziest number, though. Finished tied for ninth in pass deflections and pass breakups as a defensive end. In that same year, Stefan Gilmore, Peanut Tillman, Patrick Peterson. Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie finished with that same number 16 pass deflections. And they're all stud cornerbacks. Like, it is unheard of what J.J. Watt was able to do at the defensive end position. Just dominate against quarterbacks. Truly, like, I don't know. Peak Aaron Donald and peak J.J. Watt is probably going to be a debate for like best peak defensive performance in NFL history. Like one of them we've had, like, we've had a lot of dominant NFL players, but getting two 20 sack seasons in your first four years in the league unheard of, like, there's so many things that JJ Watt did. And I just wish that we weren't robbed of, an extension of his peak. Like the fact that his body broke down with truly like debilitating injuries, like broken legs or herniated discs, or like you said, atrial fibrillation in the heart, like really, really broke, torn pectorals as well. Like he looked like Gronk toward the end where Gronk was, you know, covered in, arm braces and knee pads and kind of looked like, you know, he was really protected at all angles for stretches of his career. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm really happy to see Wach go out on his own terms. I'm, I'm happy earnestly to see him finish out his career with the Cardinals, not just, you know, still playing relatively well, but playing like a 15, 16 game season for the first time in a long time.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And this is a guy who, like you said, is a new father uh, is 33 years old, uh, married in the past couple of years, like really entering another stage of life and glad to see him, uh, you know, prioritizing that health over, you know, chasing long-term, uh, maybe a ring on a good team as kind of a washed up situational player. Uh, this seems like the right move for him. Uh, and certainly will have nothing but positive memories of what he was at his peak. Uh, and I, the arm brace to me, was like a, a marker of his prowess because he always had that thing, and it was it was intimidating. He was one of the more intimidating defensive players I can think of. When he would get the eye black going, he probably had a bloody nose by some point in the second quarter. The arm brace, kind of the bad boy, like spiked up haircut. Um, very, very intimidating defensive player.
0: Yeah, it, it, incredible guy off the field. Uh, you know, we this is a, a football news show, but we'd remiss be remiss not to mention like all the small anecdotes of you know J.J. Watt paying for a Texans fans' funeral. J.J. Uh, Watt, and Harvey, Hurricane Harvey, uh, really engaging with like the youth in Tex in Houston. Uh, you know, just kind of an incredible, incredible guy off the field. Really means a lot going to be missed and pretty much a surefire Hall of Famer in some capacity. Moving on down to Miami to a tongue has officially been ruled out of Sunday's contest against the New England Patriots with yet another stint in concussion protocol. This is the third separate story to come out about Tua's head health this season. Uh, I broke down uh, the reasons why Tua probably shouldn't play another down this season in our Any Given Sunday column this week uh, following the loss of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Twitter sleuths uh, have pointed out or have tried to find the play, where it might have happened, To his head bounces off the turf around the three-minute mark of the second quarter, which would mean that he played the second half potentially with concussion-like symptoms. That would be the third game where he's either left the game or played through concussion-like symptoms, as we said. The NFLPA and the NFL have already launched a uh, joint investigation into the current Miami situation. Uh, and how they handle concussions, according to Tom Pellicera. Jackson, a really, really tough story for a quarterback who's performed exceptionally this year.
1: It is a very polarizing, difficult season to describe for Tua, who simultaneously has had... Moments where he looked out looked like a breakout superstar and has been at the top of many traditional leaderboards and advanced stat leaderboards throughout the season. Uh, and as you said, has also suffered what what would appear to be three concussions. One of which was one of the scarier concussions any of us have seen on national TV. Uh, looked as though he may not be able to play football again, and then was back on the field two weeks later. Uh, we know scientifically that concussions continue to compound as they continue it's why a guy like luke Keekley has to retire at the age of 28 in his prime because of seven concussions three in a season is almost unprecedented because they usually wouldn't let you play after the second one the first two were suffered in such quick rapid succession that it was almost treated as one uh, and in fact it was because he somehow cleared the concussion protocol the first time um by apparently it was just a back injury and things were loose and that's why he stumbled coming off the field after whacking his head on the turf uh and as you said so we're not the Dolphins team doctors and people have pointed out that if we aren't the doctor's team the Dolphins team doctors we shouldn't be commenting on the situation I won't comment on it I will let my most trusted concussion expert Chris Nowinski comment on it Chris Nowinski of course one of the original discoverers of CTE after Dr. Brendan Amalu heavily featured in the movie concussion. Uh, and he says no doctor in their right mind can clear to it a play for the rest of the season season over. Yeah. What it simple is as that. Simple as that Jackson.
0: Uh, I the, the thing that gets tough for me about uh, not doing, you know, not commenting on, uh, the concussion stuff I get we're not doctors but it gets hard to analyze the performance of a player like Tua of a team like Miami when this stuff comes into play Vince Verheye writes up quick reads kind of broke down the DVOA descent of the Miami Dolphins over their four game losing streak uh to his performance has been a big part of that uh would have dropped to the lowest in DVOA uh with a negative 24.1% passing DVOA uh among quarterbacks if December Tua was its own quarterback and qualified for our rankings uh there's a lot of good stuff in here you know he's got the lowest passing uh passing completion percentage part of that comes from like a third like a less than 40% passing completion against uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, which will really tank those numbers down. Uh, But it just gets, it gets really tough to evaluate the decision-making of Tonga Bailoa against, you know, the Packers and those three interceptions on three straight drives. It gets really tough to evaluate, you know, any sort of decision-making the quarterback makes in a game like this, when there are so much question, when there are so many questions about his head health, it just really throws a wrench into things, and it gets it gets really frustrating. And, and I don't know. There's elements of that Packers game where, you know, Tua looks like he's tr- he's starting to figure out, like, oh, I can beat cover. Like, I can make the cover two-hole shot throw. I can hit outside breakers. Like, I can beat zone in these ways. You know, it would be, in theory, the counterpunch to the counterpunch, as a lot of people have been talking about. But at this point, who cares? Like, the Dolphins know what they have in-house is good. They've got the free agents on offense locked up long-term and Tyreek Hill and the offensive line, Jalen Waddle's contract control. You've got your defensive young core pretty much set out, and you've got a few pieces to add because it's been a pretty big underperformance by the defenses this year. You know Mike McDaniel's the guy, at least for now, because you know first year he's run a great offense, pretty historically unprecedented what he's done. The last piece you need is the quarterback. And two is kind of, you know, I get the last three, four weeks, but two has kind of proven that he can do it. The last thing you want to do is just totally jeopardize this. Because I, I point out in the column, you're in a division where you've seen the highs, lows, and in between of quarterback play. You've seen the highs of the Buffalo Bills where you see, like, oh, this is what it's like when we have our guy. You see the Patriots where it's like it's impossible to replace the guy once he's gone in Tom Brady. And you see the Jets who are just on this constant carousel of trying to find the guy. Tua can be a guy that you work with for a little bit. He can't be that if his brain is pudding. Like you've got to protect his head health as best you can or you're, or none of – like all this is for nothing. This whole team you built is for nothing.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we get into debates about like, how do you evaluate uh, the second half of that game or just the second half of the season in general? And it's just <clears throat> like, it's not that those things don't need to be done eventually, but the number one concern here is the health of a human being and the health of someone who clearly wants to continue playing football. It's his passion. It's what he's you know best at. How can we figure out how to let him do that long-term? And the number one thing that needs to happen is sit out the rest of the season, preserve Health now rests up for next season, and the Dolphins have a lot of things in place to be successful.
0: Best of luck to Mr. Tungavailoa going forward. Teddy Bridgewater will start against the New England Patriots. Dolphins are currently competing for a playoff spot. Uh, that seven seed is still lurking in the AFC. And the Dolphins have not won a single game in the stretch that tonga missed for concussions. So we'll see if they're able to pull one game together. Their win probability shoots up if they are able to beat the New England Patriots in week 17. Sticking with the quarterback position and sticking in the AFC East, we move on to the New York Jets where Mike White has been cleared by team doctors for contact after suffering rib injuries against the buffalo bills he has been upgraded to starter jack there's been a big quarterback shuffling zach wilson replaces mike white he lasts two games benched midway through for chris streveler who who, who is a quarterback who <laughs> plays the position who throws passes
1: who is uh, a cfl champ with a great beard God, listen, if, if did he, he? I think he hoisted the Grey Cup.
0: Oh, he so oi- he hoisted
1: play. the Grey Cup with an unbuttoned jean jacket and a cigar in his mouth. That's wish we a had that
0: photo on screen right now. About as Canadian as we can get. So I can't speak too disparagingly about him, although the performance, while while generating some good online discussion and some fanfare. Uh, was not very impressive against the Jacksonville Jaguars. With White cleared, Wilson now goes back to off the game day roster. A big descent for him. Uh, Sala continues to say though he is uh, still a part of the team's plan. Jets also fighting for a playoff spot. Believe they pretty much need to win out and have a couple things break their way. It's it's uh, not that
1: much though, Kale. Like they they really have an easy path to the playoffs still it's kind of have absolutely, so the Jets need to win their last two games at Seattle uh at Miami, probably still with Teddy Bridgewater, and they need one New England loss to either Miami or Buffalo, and Buffalo is unlikely to have the one seed clinched this week because they will have to win in Cincinnati, and Kansas City will have to lose to Denver so. It's right there. Win these last two games, and you have, I would say, at least a better than 50% shot of making it. Now, Jackson,
0: we could do the Mike White breakdown. Good. We could con- like we could talk about, about Mike freaking White, uh, the guy who's been, you know, solid and serviceable for a Jets team that desperately needs quarterback play. But wouldn't it be more interesting to talk about Zach Wilson?
1: <laughs> I will give you a very brief, very brief Mike White. Like, my take on Mike White is exactly that. Like, he's he's good in a pinch. There's a reason Robert Sala said it was too early to even have the discussion about Mike White starting for the team in 2023. It's because we haven't seen him have more than one good game in a season yet. He's good in a pinch. If you're planning for Mike White to be your long-term starter, you're a little bit lost. I don't... I don't
0: totally agree with the, uh, you know, not multiple good games. As the guy who wrote the Jets chapter, listen, I, I thought Mike White was like an Aesop's fable where it's it, like, he's pretty much like the quarterback tortoise in the hair, uh, because he beat the Cincinnati Bengals with only checkdowns, trying to teach Zach Wilson, the guy who refuses uh, to learn how to throw checkdowns. Uh, at all. Like it was supposed to teach him a lesson. Mike White has had some fine games. Uh like the first game against Chicago, fantastic. Chicago doesn't exactly have a stellar uh stellar secondary. Uh that was also missing bodies in that game, so it was a bit yeah. easier for him. I I don't think he played too t- I get what happened. I don't think he played too terribly against Buffalo. I don't think like it's a really tough defense, and getting didn't score a touchdown, but mitigated turnovers was able to kind of move some pieces. Like he was able to stay competitive, finished one a one-score game. I don't think it's totally end of the world that White is starting for. The Never Jets. said
1: terrible. I said good in a pinch. I just if you enter the season with your plan being let's start Mike White until further notice, that's a different discussion. If you're like we're in trouble we need mike white to start for us because we have no other options then yeah sure go for it i also
0: don't think we've heard much about mike white 2023 starter because the jets haven't acquired uh some combination of uh derrick carr jimmy garoppolo and a 2023 draftee uh, i don't know which direction the jets will go but they will be in the quarterback market certainly Jack. Speaking of quarterbacks hitting the market, Zach Wilson. Uh is this is this the last we've seen of Zach Wilson in a New York
1: Jets uniform? I think it is. It's it's such a fast give up, but I don't I don't know how you can possibly go back to the guy. I feel like I feel like he's destined to be <laughs> I want I want to do the meme that's like Zach Wilson, you are a Carolina Panther. <laughs> he's he's sort of not just worn out as welcome, but I mean, you look at, like, look at, look at Tua for an example, look at how he played in the second half of that Green Bay game. And let's, you know, for the second put to the side, the fact that he was definitely dealing with a concussion and shouldn't have been out there in the first place. He comes to the podium and says, this is a hundred percent on me. I played terrible in that second half. I let the team down. I lost us that game. I will be better. Zach Wilson doesn't do that. One asked, like after, after the one game where they literally scored three points against new England and everything else was going well, except for the fact they couldn't move the ball six inches was given the, was just given the chance to say, did you feel like you let your defense down at all? And he said, no, he just shut it down. Like that is, he's just never done the right things that a franchise quarterback does on and off the field. Uh, and I, I just, I think he's worn out as welcome and I don't think he's coming back. I mean he can
0: he he really can't uh I, I at some point it, it becomes a confidence thing and listen, i i am a new yorker New York jets fans are are ruthless uh i i think they've kind of broken him <laughs> i th- i think they really have and the guy who was slinging slinging rocks around at a a know Pandemic season at BYU. Uh, I don't think the Jets are getting
1: that guy. I I think he was drafted. Uh was drafted that guy was always gonna be a project, you know? Like that no, guy. No, he was, was drafted immediately player. on
0: the heels of Josh Allen's success story, Patrick Mahomes' success story. And it was pretty much like, Oh, I get he's a project, but all the projects recently have hit. Let's let's gamble. Yeah. Uh I think there was probably a bigger project in this specific draft class and Trey Lance, but you always knew Wilson was going to be a multi year project. And it's been technically multiple years. (laughs) And there's been like a minor improvement, but really nothing substantial that would suggest consistent growth. I think the biggest thing is, is you know, maybe this is like call it an outlier season defenses in a given year or defenses year to year. Usually aren't consistent in the same way offenses are teams tend to regress year on year. I still think like talent wise, the jets are currently outpacing Zach Wilson. They're on two different timelines right now. So
1: that's probably the
0: last we've seen of Zach Wilson in a jets uniform. Congratulations. Congratulations. I I was going to say like to what the Houston Texans, but they're probably drafting a Bryce young up top. Like I don't even know where he plays next year. It'll be very interesting. it's,
1: It's gotta be the backup route, right? It's gotta be like the go, go play backup to an established really good quarterback and, and try to pick up on some skills and, and get yourself signed elsewhere after a season of improvements. Right? Like that was, that was the Mitch Trubisky path with Josh Allen for a year. I wonder if that's the move for Zach Wilson somewhere else speaking of where
0: cast-off first-round quarterbacks usually end up, we move on to Carolina to talk (laughs) non-quarterbacks. After an announcement that J.C. Horn is going to miss the rest of the regular season with a broken wrist and underwent surgery to correct such injury, Panthers sign team favorites Josh Norman to the practice squad. Norman, a key member of that 2015 Super Bowl run by the Carolina Panthers. He's kind of bounced around the league since. But an interesting member of a Panthers squad that has surprisingly overperformed expectations this season especially making, especially after making the
1: transition from Matt rule to Steve Wilkes. This is a very interesting one for one swap here. You're going from a second year player enjoying a breakout season to a former pro bowler who hasn't played at all this season. It's it's opposite ends of the football experience spectrum. And I have no idea what 2022 Josh Norman is going to look like in a Carolina uniform. Coming in, by the way, at the most important, most crucial time in any potential season, one game this week to potentially decide their season and whether or not they're going to win or lose the NFC South. Uh, Most six and nine teams don't find themselves in that position, but here the Panthers are, and they're rolling with it. And as such, Steve Wilkes has said that, Now, JC Horn had surgery yesterday. Uh, We don't yet have any updates as far as I'm aware that say whether or not he's going to have a chance to return for a theoretical playoff run. But just the fact that we're even in that position says so much where it's usually, you know, guy guy needs surgery, two games left in the year, team is six and nine. Okay, he's done for the year. Let's worry about next year. Uh, And yeah, Josh Norman, what are we getting? I just don't know, like, <laughs> it is, like, very good for the fan base. Like, at this point, bring back Cam Newton, Greg Olson, uh, put Luke keekley on the sidelines to wave the flag and pound the drum. Like, this is this is great for franchise culture. Uh, keep pounding. But I have no idea if Josh Norman is still a shutdown – or forget shutdown corner. Is he a serviceable corner in the 2022 NFL? <sighs> Jackson, his his that line
0: for – last season with the san francisco 49ers is fascinating he's he's had uh three interceptions in the last three years but last year alone he had seven forced fumbles uh man. You're an impressive impressive number according to sports info solutions though he's allowing around a uh Anywhere from a, in the last three seasons, uh, 2019, Washington, 65% completion rating allowed. Uh 2020 with the Bills, 69% completion percentage allowed. 2021, 63% completion percentage allowed. Uh Hovering around somewhere between 11 and 7.8 yards per target. It's allowed 11 touchdowns in the last three seasons, including four last year, 14 pass breakups, and like I said, three interceptions over the last three seasons. I just think the guy's 35, and it'll be interesting to see how seamlessly he kind of integrates himself because he played on the Ron Rivera staff. So this doesn't seem like a seamless transition. The one thing I thought was pretty interesting was the of the Panthers, like like classic era. I don't know if I like they're probably joking, but like I don't know how this how how easy this stuff is. Steve Smith, Steve Smith Sr. kind of chimed in on Twitter. Saying, you know, hey Panthers, uh, you know, maybe like let's do a little reunion. You can bring me back. Uh <laughs> not it, serious. Still, it was in response. I'm pulling up the tweet now. Yeah, it was in response to Trey Boston, who's like, I left a like I left as a full blown starter. I'll slide in or for all joining yeah. up. Like they're trying to, like, there's a little bit of last bit of hope from the 30 somethings in Carolina or from former Carolina days that like, we're getting the band back together. We're going to make a push now.
1: Let's do it. I I completely, I support it. Uh, Steve Smith is, I believe over 40 at this point and has been doing some very interesting shows on NFL networks, like YouTube, wing, uh, I saw a video where he like went to the Vikings and joined the culinary staff for a day. And let me, let me just say, Steve Smith has been eating good in retirement. So I don't know if he's still running a four, four, but let's do it. Bring all the 2010 to 2015 Panthers back and let's get the band back together. Listen, it'd be very
0: fun to see. Uh, also has like his own podcast, which we should get it on the takeaway at some point. That's gotta
1: be a gem. <laughs> moving gem. on,
0: <laughs> just realized that now. Moving on, last headline of the week. This one broke today. Back to quarterback transitions. Commanders named Carson Wentz their starter for Sunday's matchup with the Cleveland Browns. This is Carson Wentz's first start since twenty. I uh, was this in twenty sixteen? Since week six, <laughs> he's played more recently than that. Since week six. Got put on IR with a broken ring finger on his throwing hand. They move into Taylor Heineke. Heineke wins five of of his first six starts, then goes 0-2-1 in his next three. Wentz comes in for Heineke in the middle of last week's game against the San Francisco 49ers. The two combined, by the way, Jackson, for an over 77% DVOA against a uh, passing DVOA against the 49ers defense. But on the season, Honekin, Heineke, uh currently 24th among quarterbacks, negative 10.1% passing DVOA and a 19 passing DYAR went down to a negative 17.1% DVOA, negative 105 DYAR, 30th and 28th respectively. Jackson, what do you think of the move? Commanders are still looking to clinch a playoff spot. Is it the right move to transition from Heineke to Wentz?
1: I'm going to be honest. I don't hate it. I think that a lot of people are kind of feeling the karma side of the Heineke thing and and feeling like he's the one that got you there. He should be the one to continue to drive the train. But the performance has dipped enough with Heineke to where I don't feel like I trust him anymore. I feel like, as much as he maybe made some plays that won them some games at certain points in the season, that Giants game felt more like a turning point to me where competent quarterback play wins you that game and puts you in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. So I don't mind going back to Wentz here. Uh, certainly the more talented of the two quarterbacks, if you look at their like box score stats, Kale, I know DVOA favors Heineke this year. Box score stats are insanely similar between the two. It's like Heineke, 12 touchdowns to six interceptions, 89.6 passer rating, 62.2% completions. Carson Wentz, 11 touchdowns to six interceptions, 86.3 passer rating, 62.9% completion percentage. So literally their stats mirror each other in every way. Carson Wentz is the more talented quarterback. He's been more of a disaster artist at points this season, but... Heineke's shown he'll throw it up for grabs with the best of them. So you might as well go with the guy that you somehow gave up a second round pick for this year. That's my thing is like, like you just said, Heineke's kind of throwing it up a little bit more. I, he's <laughs> always done that though. It's just not come back to bite them in other games. Well, he hasn't been a risk. Ta- like he
0: hasn't really been a risk taker. Oh, I On think he has. Recent, He's played relatively conservative, Football and that was kind of the point of having Heineke in is his relatively mistake free football. It's only been in recent weeks that he's had five fumbles in three games
1: and an interception. Like, but that's that, that, I, don't, I disagree. I think he's always had that very cavalier play style, and he's just been very lucky in the games that they've won that the passes he's thrown in between four defenders haven't gone as picks. And he escapes the pocket and instead of fumbling, he draws a 15-yard penalty against Philadelphia to clinch the game. Like he has been like he's a rogue risk taker, and those risks were paying off early in the season. And now we're seeing the flip side of that. See, I'm fine with him being a little cavalier as a runner. It helps usually
0: teams. But I think like now that he's actually becoming a turnover problem, and now that in recent weeks, he's getting a little bit more dicey. Like, the running was his strength, and it helps him mitigate the turnovers as a passer. It was being less safe of a passer. Now that he's being both, like, an unsafe passer and an unsafe runner, you might as well go to the guy with a higher ceiling who's, like, a more skilled quarterback in Wentz. Like, at least if you're going to have the stake full football, you might as well go to the guy who can also throw for – you know have the upside at least to throw for 300 something yards in a game and like make
1: some big throws like Wentz can yeah I've I don't know what you're getting out of Carson Wentz at this point coming back from injury I know he had a solid fourth quarter against the 49ers but he's so far removed from that 2017 kind of revolutionary Carson Wentz that I just don't know what he has, but I, I know that the ceiling is higher than whatever Taylor Heineke is going to give you in any given week.
0: That's the point. You get the highs and the lows of when You get, uh, you know, three different games where he eclipses 300 yards and one game this year where he has 99 yards and a second where he has 170 yards and two interceptions.
1: And, and you then might as well get on. the guy who can manifest for 300 plus yards. I want to bring up the matchup too, because they're playing the Cleveland Browns. I see this as a game of like, with these two franchises, when they meet up this late in the season, whoever needs the win is likely going to lose. That's as, as I understand football, if, if the Browns were the team that needed a win to get into the playoffs, then I would love the commanders in this matchup. But now that the Browns are completely out of it, And the Commanders need a win to get in. I I love the Browns this weekend.
0: Yeah, just just some sort of karmic washing machine. Everything Uh. is all topsy-turvy. Let's rip through this injury roundup this week. Kick it off in Philadelphia. Philadelphia loses Avante Maddox for the season to a significant toe injury. We missed last week. Jalen Hurts out with a shoulder injury. We've already seen... Gardner Minshew fill in in the interim did not get Lane Johnson who will play despite a torn adductor in his
1: shoulder Johnson's is a two-time all-pro four-time pro bowler and he'll he, play in the playoffs let's make that clear he's coming back for the playoffs
0: yes yes thank you for the correction he is putting off surgery
1: is likely not playing this week is he confirmed not playing this he's week? out He's not Got playing it. this week, and I think it's pretty much 100% confirmed that he's not playing next week either. He's resting up for their first playoff game. Got it. Thank you, Jackson. Big losses for this
0: Eagles team, though, on both sides of the ball. Johnson been a massive force on this offensive line. Good that he's at least going to be a warm body for the playoffs.
1: But the Eagles keep losing bodies in the secondary. Yeah. that's That's not what you want. It's been... A really, really good secondary, too. They've been the number one pass defense by DVOA all season. Uh, but you know, you continue to lose bodies. Avante Maddox, it's not like he was an all-pro by any means, but he was, you know, good, good, serviceable corner, able to fill in, make some plays. Uh obviously. You would have loved to, I mean, CJ C. Gardner-Johnson was leading the league in interceptions as a safety at the time he got injured. So this is like another another tool that you're losing from the toolkit. Uh, and eventually that starts to take a toll. You already had you know undrafted rookie Reed Blankenship filling in for C.D. Deuce. Uh, this the, the more you lose guys that have been with you all season long, the more that you struggle to kind of piece it together with the guys that haven't been seeing time on the field.
0: Sticking with lost linemen. Lyle Collins for the Cincinnati Bengals done for the year uh, tore up his whole knee ACL and MCL. That's going to be a lengthy recovery bit of a rough year for Collins from a blocking perspective, 3.9% blown brought block rate according to sports info solutions. However, Real tough loss just for this Bengals offensive line. Pretty heavily reliant on keeping Joe Burrow up in a uh, big change from last year, where Burrow was the most sacked quarterback, in football. Major investment there along the line. Akeem Adeniji is going to be filling in for Lyle Collins-Jackson. Tough loss for the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Yeah, I mean, it always gets tough when you have to shuffle the line this late in the season. And adenji who you just mentioned, is a third-year sixth-rounder who is listed on the roster as a guard, uh, so obviously not his primary duty uh, taking over at right tackle. This is a line that had played every game together. So even though the results weren't good at the start of the season, they had been improving, they have been coalescing as a unit. And when you bring in three brand-new players in, Collins, Alex Kappa uh, and Ted karras to fill in 60 percent of your offensive line it's it's gonna be a bit of an adjustment period and they had been through the period and started to figure it out so now you're right back in the lurch again and it's tough to see
0: identity De- uh, is playing decently well this year uh 2.8% blown block rate however, years past not been the same story 2021. 21 blown blocks, good for a 4% blown block rate. 2020 is rookie season,
1: 4.9% on for snaps. Also has not played more than, th- well, he played 77% of the snaps last week after the injury to Collins, but before that had not played more than 32% of the snaps in any game, had multiple games with zero snaps and only one game with more than 10 or yeah, before this past game where he played 64. So basically just a total reserve extra lineman now being thrust into starting duty. Still
0: getting a lot of reps, though. I mean, 519 snaps in 2021. Those numbers add up. Moving on, sticking with the offensive line, we are going to Tampa Bay, who has had a a revolving door on the offensive line this year. Tristan Wirfs, right tackle, re-aggravates an ankle inju- uh, injury. His status is up in the air for Week 17. Someone whose status is not up in the air is left tackle Josh Wells, who was carted off with a knee injury, likely out for the season. He was filling in for Donovan Smith at left tackle. However, 2021 Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen has now been designated to return from IR. You may remember that Jensen tore something, never really mentioned what the knee injury was. I've looked on the Tampa Bay website. I've looked from multiple news sources. It was just labeled as a significant knee injury. During training camp in late July, Buccaneers have now activated the 21-day practice window where they can get Jensen back from injury. There's some indication that he may play this regular season that he may be healthy enough to play this regular season. Jackson, you have now lost three left tackles, but you get back your center. This feels like some kind of weird monkey's paw. <laughs> like this feels like a weird, you get what you wish for kind of like, like be careful what you wish for kind of wish.
1: I, yeah, uh, this this team has had one of the strangest years I can think of. Uh, you, you think about, Tampa having these three huge wins in like comeback fashion against bad teams, right? Rams, Saints, Cardinals, 10 point deficits in second halves, big comeback drives to win games. And if you don't have those, this team is awful. This offensive line, supposed to be a strength of the team. They are number one in adjusted sack rate. How much of that do you just put on Tom Brady getting the ball out? because when you look at the run blocking and our adjusted line yard stat, they are 28th and we know that the bucks have been abysmal running the ball all season long. So where does that leave us? This is an offensive line that was supposed to be one of the biggest strengths of the team, but they're so hampered by injuries now. that who knows if they're going to be able to, you know, carry the rest of the season. Obviously this week is huge. So as much as it's good to, have the prospect of Jensen back. If he's not on the field for this Carolina game, it doesn't quite matter. Uh, and now here we are in the, as I said with the Bengals in the lurch where you're just kind of piecing together an offensive line as you go. Uh, and yeah, you think about just all the talent that's on this offensive line. That's been, you know, injured retirement of Ali Marpet this past year. Um, it, you know, Bring in a guy like Shaq Mason, who's obviously a huge talent, but, Uh, hasn't quite translated across the entire line Um, and yeah jensen jensen a 2021 pro bowler he's hurt tristan works one of my favorite offensive linemen in the league been a pro bowler every year in the league so far except this year also hurt uh where do you go from here if you're the bucks what a weird season you see
0: i find it fascinating that like this is this is genuinely if if Jensen can play like a monicum of, you know, competent football. This is probably good for Tampa Bay because a lot of your sack prevention comes from Brady being in the pocket. And the fact that like, leads the league in adjusted sack rate, despite the fact that they've had so many injuries on the offensive line and such transition on the offensive line where they don't rank well is that they're 28th in the league in adjusted line yards and 24th in power success. And they also are last in the league in rushing yards for attempt. I wonder if there's any sort of like help that they can sort of get from just having Jensen back. And by the way, they're also 27th when rushing in the middle of the line or off of guards by our directional offensive line statistics.
1: Yeah. Well said. Their run game is awful. That's, I mean, Leonard Fournette is getting 20 carries a game still, and he's doing nothing with them. I I get that he like punches it in from the one yard line every once in a while, but every game it's two, three yards per carry. You got to ask yourself at what point do you just abandon the run game entirely? Because Tom Brady, although we still see him look worn down at times is still very much a productive quarterback. And we've seen it in those fourth quarter comebacks, but so many drives where it's like running into the line, short pass and it's third and eight can't keep doing that. And that's not just on the Bucks' offensive line. That's the whole team. Bad, (laughs) bad play calling Uh, schemes, bad talent is is there at times and not there at others. Uh, And it's been a tough watch for most of the season has been a little bit and yet they are still leading
0: the NFC South <laughs> because no one wants to win that division. Let's lump these last two teams together because unfortunately neither is in playoff contention anymore. The Raiders I think are still technically alive and I say technically the same way that the Colts were only eliminated last week uh even though they were kind of uh you know, dead in the minds of uh, many NFL fans. Los Angeles Raiders,
1: linebacker Denzel Perriman. They moved? out for the sorry? <laughs> you said Los Angeles Raiders. I joke with you. I listen, I screw that up way more than I should. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders.
0: Linebacker Denzel Perriman. Done for the year with a shoulder injury. Uh, defensive end Chandler Jones, carted off the field with an elbow injury, uh, something I've never seen for an upper body, which means it's serious. Uh, and Arizona Cardinals safety Buddha Baker, also done for the year with a shoulder injury. Uh, again, tough losses across the board for all of these players. Jones, especially, starting to come on toward the end of the season of 2022. Off-season acquisition who took a little while to get going in Raiders defense would Baker set exceptional a big massive part of the Arizona Cardinals defense Denzel Paraman also a big part of that front seven for the Raiders set a new oh no second year or er, sorry after last year setting a career high in combined tackles for the team, sets a second highest rate for combined tackles and also sets a new career high with 14 tackles for loss in a season.
1: All tough. As you said, it's the point in the season where uh, bad teams start to lose people and you start looking towards next season. Uh, Chandler Jones, at least, will always have uh, stiff arming Mac Jones through the turf on his way to glory in one of the more improbable wins in franchise history. Uh, certainly a disappointing season though, for both teams. And these are guys that they need back in 2023, because these are teams that will have expectations of at least being competent and hoping to make the playoffs in 2023. Cause they both did it last year. That they did. Especially
0: looking forward to another season of, Chandler Jones playing alongside Max Crosby and just making that defensive tandem work because it took a little bit for it to come on this season. They need more Jackson closing out the show with Thursday night football news as we always do believe this is the final time that we can say that we're closing out the show Thursday night football news because this is our season finale. Tennessee Titans, Dallas Cowboys. Let's start in Tennessee. Didn't have a chance to get to it last week with the holidays. Ryan Tannehill goes down with a high ankle sprain, re-aggravating an injury from earlier in the season. The update to that story is he is going to, or sorry, he has already underwent tightrope surgery on that high ankle sprain, And he is trying best he can to make it back for the Jaguars Titans game in week 18, which is shaping up currently to be a win and in for both teams. Uh, Pretty much the
1: week 18 battle for the AFC South. Yeah, let me just further clarify that it is a win and in for both teams and nothing either team does this week matters. Very fun Thursday night football promo. I know Tennessee's game does not matter for them. Any result for either team this week does not matter in the grand scheme of the AFC South. Technically the Jaguars could still get a wild card spot if they win both games. Um, But like, or I guess if they go eight, nine, they could somehow get a wild card spot. Uh, The mathematics are astronomically high and pretty much impossible. So there's been talk of the prospect of both teams resting guys this week because this game and the Jags game essentially means nothing. Um, but let's talk about Malik Willis a little bit, Kale. He, uh He is the starter if Ryan Tannehill is not back, and it is still a very iffy proposition of whether he will be back for that Jaguars game. So this is his final tune-up for the game of his life against Jacksonville if Ryan Tannehill is unable to go. Uh, He has yet to throw for a hundred yards in an NFL football game 99 on Saturday. So ever so close, but he has not gotten a hundred yard passing game. He currently sports a negative 244 DYAR in just those three starts and some backup appearances late in games. I believe only yet only Justin Fields and Matt Ryan have more negative DYAR and obviously they have played much more football And he has a negative 71.7% passing DVOA, which would have been worse in the league this week until Monday Night Football happened and Nick Foles somehow managed to put up a one-game DVOA performance of negative 108.3. So Malik Willis not having a good start to that old NFL career. It's so fascinating to watch Malik Willis play
0: because he just, you know, Again, he was very much a project coming into the NFL. Uh, Seems like he permanently has escape artist on uh, the Madden X-Factor trait. But he cannot throw. Jackson, let us get in to some news for the
1: Cowboys you're very excited about. I know, man. It's, it's, It's a segment that's taken us far too long to get back to. Brings a tear to my eye, quite frankly. But we are back. Uniform news. The Dallas Cowboys don't have a lot going on this week aside from uh some speculation that maybe Troy Aikman will be the new Broncos head coach uh and former Cowboys tight end Blake Jarwin working out for some teams. There's not much on the news front. So let's talk about what they're going to wear in this game against the Titans. They are calling these the icy white helmets. Now, we know that the NFL one-shell rule came back into, or came into effect 10 years ago, finally out of effect this year. Cowboys bring back the white shells on the helmets. They wear white shells on Thanksgiving, but these are different because they have the outline on the helmet sticker, Kale. Icy white as opposed to regular white. Also wearing a modified version of their color rush uniforms for the past few years, as opposed to the Thanksgiving throwbacks. Stars on the sleeves. Stars on the white helmets, gonna be a clean look. We're all
0: the way back, Jackson. This oh, is this is our bread and butter. We're just, you know, a
1: stadium shy of of really hitting <laughs> our quota. <laughs> oh, Need it. God. Need more stadium news. I think there have been a couple stadium stories announced in the few weeks, but none that are coming so immediately to mind that I can just shout them out. And- i couldn't if you paid me to
0: (laughs) that'll do it for us here the fo news show however got some sponsors to thank first up our friends over at underdog fantasy you heard the underdog himself knocking on the door begging for deals during that tennessee titans segment so without further ado did your season fantasy teams miss the playoffs fear not Play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Play Underdog's Battle Royale, a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place, or you could try their Pick'em games, which you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code Outsiders now to double
1: your first deposit up to $100. Jackson's Underdog Pick of the Week is going to be OMG Kale. Derek Carr just got benched. <laughs> uh, that's Is that a Pick of the Week? Uh, <laughs> I, I know that just popped up in our
0: chat. I'd like to confirm that before we just... Yeah, oh, he was! It.
1: He was. he was the starting
0: quarterback for the Rangers, Jared still <laughs> there he is
1: <laughs> yeah no Kale, trust me i i saw the rapaport tweet too it's Auburn's real finest. <laughs> oh my breaking news on the news show at the end of the news show let's go oh my god how can
0: i even talk about the great deals that you get at FO Plus now. Oh, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for NFL betting picks, fantasy bites, advice, premium stats and articles, and ad-free experience. All you could ask for. You get the primo content like Derek Cars or Derek Klasson's – oh, my God, I'm <laughs>
1: breaking – all
0: 32 he's benched because uh, he's coming
1: to write for us
0: <laughs> exactly yeah we are yeah uh you also get mike Tanier's uh breakdown of the weekly dvoa uh you get a lot of fantastic fantastic pieces uh thank you thor dane by the way for shouting out the Derek Carr just got benched to yeah uh broke it before uh jackson had the opportunity to break it to me uh
1: and thank you for not fake newsing us that would be very mean if somebody ever did that in the chat I total fake that's the first time that like i
0: hate like that we've gone from chat news so i had to confirm that for myself uh last certainly not least join us on the football outsiders discord for in-game conversation for every game this season Got a couple left. You gotta get in before the playoffs. You could talk at me. You could talk at Brian Knowles, you could talk to Aaron Schatz, you can talk at Vince Vera. There's some serious analytics conversation. And there's probably me in there jo- like making jokes about Jared Stidham. Uh, or like we did in Packers Eagles, where I come up with a scenario for the long-term wally pipping of Aaron Rodgers, uh, based off of two series by Jordan Love in Garbage Time. It's a great time in there, and I Mm -hmm. highly recommend you join the conversation. Uh, A lot of riveting stuff every Sunday, every game. You can catch us in there tomorrow night for the Thursday night game if you feel so
1: inclined. Do it. Do it now. I'll I'll be flying, so I won't be, but what else is new? Well, that'll do it
0: for us at the FO News Show. For Jackson, I'm Kale. We'll see you next week.